Hey, good morning, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. And I'm in the backyard of the rectory and the church, and I hear that they're probably working at the uh, graveyard, I think, or maybe the path leading to the graveyard. Early this morning, volunteers were already working around the church to uh, maintain the garden. I have to say it looks spectacular here in front of the uh, right-hand side of my of my house used to be this uh, kind of uh, undetermined area with uh, lots of mud and a few plants, but none of them were really working. And then last year, around this time, they uh, wanted to create a new patch of grass. And at first, it didn't really seem to catch on. It didn't work. There was a lot of, uh, I think, polluted ground uh, or soil with... Um, uh, anything but grass basically was growing here but they told me you know we'll just keep on doing this and uh, taking good care of the grass we'll have we'll need some patience but next year you'll see it'll look great and it exactly worked out the way they predicted it it is now a nice patch of grass and there's a little bit of a of a, a an area where I can sit in the summertime when it gets really hot inside the house it's kind of a in a uh, corner of the house between the sunroom and uh, part of the uh, community room of the parish <clears throat> and I can sit there to read a book or so it's in the shadows so that's kind of nice but right now it is a little bit too chilly to sit outside I have to say we've had uh, finally some rain and even today when I look up when I look up to the skies I see a well I see some blue sky but also some thicker clouds that are approaching so I think today is going to be a mixed bag of all sorts of different weather. And uh, as far as I can tell here, the plants or the leaves uh, it are, are still wet. So probably tonight we also had some, some rain desperately needed by nature because it's been extremely dry. Ah, It's good to be outside for a walk. I'm recording this uh, relatively early in the morning. It's about 9.30. In about half an hour, a little bit more, I'll have a, the, uh, my daily uh, uh, work meeting with uh, Inge. Now that we're all working from home, of course, and we don't have the office, this is how we start the day. We just uh, catch up, see what has to be done today, and then we go to work, and then we work usually until lunchtime. And then I'm supposed to do something else, because <laughs> I have multiple jobs, but uh, lately, my, my planning has been out of the window. And you may have heard me complain in my regular show last week that I've been so extremely busy. Well, that hasn't really improved. Uh, it, it, there is so much to do, and it all has to do with the corona situation. I'm a little bit envious, actually, when I read updates on my Facebook page, and there seem to be more and more lately, of people being bored and not knowing what to do with their time. Or... <laughs> I don't know, just coming up with activities to fill the day because they can't go outside. And I'm, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could, <laughs> I could have a, a few moments per week where I'm just bored. But uh, instead I'm making these long days with lots of meetings and uh, oftentimes also <clears throat> work and meetings that, uh, that uh, take place in the evenings, which is really not good for me because then I can't put my mind to rest and I don't sleep well like the other day I woke up 
at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, with this kind of terrorizing dream where I'd been in a fight with one of our parish churches where we wanted to do uh, like a, a broadcast of a mass and then uh, everybody got angry at me because they wanted to do like a Buddhist ceremony at the same time or <laughs> like what? <laughs> Why am I even dreaming this? But it's probably because the night before we'd been in a meeting talking about the uh, let's say the phase two of the whole corona situation where maybe gradually uh, things will open up and eventually also church meetings will be held again but of course n not like it was before there's no doubt in my mind that that will maybe take multiple years before we get back to let's say what we consider to be normal and in the meantime we'll we'll probably turn into this uh, one and a half two meter society where everybody has to to uh, kind of maintain that social distancing which of course poses tremendous challenges for churches and other communities to bring people together and at the same time limit the risk of infection and so we'd been brainstorming about that and what would that mean for the individual buildings that we have maybe we cannot reopen all churches because some of them are too small uh, some of them may be too big because you know you don't know who is coming back after uh, this crisis Will the elderly still feel safe to go to Mass, even if we make arrangements? Who knows? You know, it's uh, 80% of our audience is among the elderly here in the Netherlands. So this could be potentially devastating. You don't know. It might also be the opposite. The people have been rediscovering maybe how much they miss these more uh, inspiring uh, communities that help them cope with, you know, something else than toilet paper <laughs> shortage <coughs> sorry I have a bit of a cough I hope it's allergies <laughs> every time I have a cough or something or I sneeze I'm like uh oh <coughs> whereas normally I'd have this, this type of cough always around this time of the year because the weather is all over the place yesterday I did a long run like a one hour run and that's usually a bit taxing on the lungs And then in the morning when you get out of bed and then step outside, you have these big temperature differences. But there's always in the back of your mind this nagging question, but what if? What if this is the start of Corona? So <clears throat> better be safe than sorry. I'm, I'm very, very careful with where I go. And um, I, I really do my best to always keep my distance. We don't have the um, mouth masks yet in the Netherlands. Not because, I, th I think actually because of a valid reason, but it's not the best reason. Uh, the thing is, there's still a shortage of all, uh, all these protection, protective, uh, all this protective material in um, uh, the care sector. So the, the the type of work where people um, take care of other of of the elderly or the sick, and so they don't want to generalize or. <clears throat> oblige people to wear these face masks because they're afraid of shortages in those sectors of society where they're needed most. <clears throat> But with a cough like this, for instance, I would feel more comfortable. And maybe it's just a feeling. And of course, uh, you should always make your choices based on 
science and data and not just a hunch or a feeling. <laughs> You're not the president of the United States, for goodness sakes. But uh, <laughs> you, have to, uh, you have to really be careful to not... If, if there is even the slightest chance, the 1% chance that I may carry the virus, you still don't, when you cough, you want to not project uh, air or, um, or droplets, of course, <clears throat> that may infect someone else who may not have the same symptoms uh, or same mild symptoms that you have. Um, and, and in Germany, I heard that uh, they came up with so in Germany, the churches apparently are going to be open soon, uh, and they have issued restrictive measures which are out of this world, really. So, for instance, they have to keep a distance of two meters. I don't know how much that is in inches, but, um, well, I'm like one meter seventy-eight, so <laughs> that is a per- more than a person's length. Maybe uh, the, the taller Dutchman, that, that's, they, they are two meters tall. But, so that's a huge distance. That means that in a church of 400, you may be able to sit 40. Uh, like in the Church of St. Joseph's, where, uh, where I live. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but uh, there is much more. Um, for instance, there is no singing. They prohibit singing along with the choir. You can't have one cantor or maybe two or three singers, but that's it. No singing in church. Because when you sing, you project air, you project maybe also droplets. Um, and the, in Germany, the mouth masks are compulsory. In uh, Just like in the United States, I think, right now, <clears throat> in, in groups of people. So you have to imagine a church, a big church, 40 people, all wearing face masks. Uh, there may be one or two people singing. The rest of the crowd is silent. When they present themselves to communion, you have to have one-way streets in your church. So you have to make it in such a way that people never cross each other, like they do in some of the supermarkets over here. Uh, technically, that is quite a challenge, because we only usually have three... Uh, three... What do you call them? Uh, area, three... Uh, Roads leading to the altar. I forget the technical term in English, but anyway, so you paths basically. So how how are we going to do that? You can't let people take the middle path to walk forward because then they'd be next to each other. Or you could do one half of the church going to communion first, and then the second half, something like that. But it's going to be a long process. On the other hand, it's just forty people. So, and then distribution of communion is interesting too, according to the Germans. <clears throat> you have to disinfect your hands right before you distribute communion. That makes sense. Um, you have to wear, probably wear a mask. I'm, I'm not sure if, that's, uh, if that was stipulated or not. And then um, <clears throat> there are two options, according to the Germans. Either you uh, wear gloves while distributing communion, so disposable gloves, or you use... A pincet, or um, what you call them, like uh, the the thing you use to to turn the meat on a barbecue. So pinchers, basically, uh, so so that you can create a distance of two meters, I suppose, or at least a, a, a like a large distance. And then no communion on the tongue, of course, so only communion in the hand. Afterwards, you have to 
And then, oh, yes, no speaking during communion. So normally when you distribute communion in the Catholic Church, I say, the body of Christ, and the other person says, Amen. It's a profession of faith, basically. This is Christ himself. You say, Amen, yes, I believe that. Um, but that is prohibited because no speaking, right? When you're close to each other. So that is going to be replaced by a common um, prof- or little ritual before distributing communion that um, probably there will be something added to the liturgical text to the extent of, uh, you know, this is the body of Christ and then everybody says amen at the same time. But it's going to be so... I mean, I didn't realize how much that would impact just what we're used to. And no singing, no meeting afterwards, which, let's face it, is very important for the community to be able to talk to each other. And uh, it is, I think, the... I mean, it's not the core of what you do on Sundays, but it is, a, I think, a very essential ingredient because the commun- communion itself, the word implies it, bringing people together, right, around Christ. But it's not an individual, uh, let me just go get my, my uh, uh, Jesus pill for the day or something like that. So what is this, how is this going to impact the community in the longer run. Stuff like that we were discussing just the night before I had that dream. And then uh, there is not, not yet uh, a common uh, strategy here in the Netherlands. They're basically waiting for the government to give us instructions and then they'll, they'll probably... Uh, I'm just going to go into the woods here next to this farm. <clears throat> I love this place. This is a small... I've only recently discovered how much fun it is to walk here because normally I run or I do long-distance walking, so I always go past this. But if I turn left, I'm in a small patch of, you know, the woods. Nice trees and you hear the birds, you hear the occasional, what is it, a pecker, I think, who is uh, chasing insects and uh, making holes in the trees, maybe also nesting. So... uh, Really nice, and not crowded at all. There's not a single soul here in these woods, which is very nice. Um, so the, uh, the, the thing is that yesterday we had, uh, there's this uh, weekly meeting of the, peop- the uh, pastors, the, basically the priests, the deacons, and the lay people that we employ in the parish. They meet... Normally, like once every two weeks, I think. And I usually don't take part of that because I'm not a member of the pastoral team. I'm just an assistant priest. Uh, so I'm there for the weekends and my media work primes. Uh, but, but since the media work that I do now is so much intertwined with the parish because of these masses and all the other stuff that we do, children's catechesis, I decided to take part in these meetings again. And even internally, you see so many different takes on the situation. Um, I was a little bit shocked, to be honest, that last week I received a huge spreadsheet. I get those twice a year. And huge, when I say huge, think something that spans three monitors. That's how big it is. And horizontally, you have all the churches. I think they're about 12 or 15 or something like that. And then underneath, you have all the dates. And the dates went all the way to January 2021. And so they had made a planning for 
every single celebration in church, every mass, every uh, communion service or word service of the, of the word, uh, with both priests or deacons or lay people, and and they completely filled it as if nothing had happened, <laughs> like as if all these churches would open again soon. I think the th- the, the schedule started in June. And then they, they planned all the way to 2021. And, and so they must have worked days on that. And my reaction was, well, why? Why have you planned that? There is not a single indication of uh, the government loosening the, the regulations. We're already in a month of, of May, starting today. This is the 1st of May, Feast of uh, St. Joseph the Worker. On International Labor Day, of course, that's a way in which uh, the Pope in the 50s was like, you know what, let's put Joseph in there. He was a worker. He, he had a wood shop, so let's adopt this feast and make it a little bit more Catholic <laughs> instead of just this, this communist propaganda that they were worried about. Anyway, that's besides the point. But uh, I said, do you really think that in June someone will wave a magic wand and all the churches open again and society will be back to normal. Come on! That is not going to happen. And if they decide something like that, like in some states of the, of the US right now where they're opening up the states and they're opening the casinos and everything, there will certainly be a second wave of this virus. At just mathematically. Just if you look at the statistics, if you look at other countries where they open up too soon, you're going to have that re-emergence. Even historically, if you look at the Black Plague, you see, I saw uh, an interesting article about uh, the, what is it, the, was it the Spanish flu? Not sure. Anyway, in the U.S. where one city opened up too soon and the other one didn't, and that made a difference of tens of thousands of people that died, maybe even more, I don't remember the exact data, but, well, here it's the same. I think that my country is usually very conservative when it comes to these things. And they will probably try to open up the country very, very gradually, just trying out the waters, see if the, the number of cases start to spike again. And as soon as that happens, they will probably close it down again. And I assume that in the US or in other countries in the world, they will do the same. Like in Italy, they have also sometimes had to retract certain, certain measures, uh, certain like uh, liberties because they couldn't get it under control. Spain is the same thing. So, in my opinion, but I'm not a scientist, but judging from what I hear uh, in, from, from the experts, this may very well take a year before things get slightly normal and uh, a vaccine could be next year if we're very lucky and we should absolutely pray, pray for that, but it could also take two years. And as long as we don't have a vaccine, that is also globally distributed. Well, actually, I'm just repeating what you've all probably heard yourself, so I'm boring you to death. But anyway, um, it's, it's, I, I personally uh, hold the possibility that, that this virus will have lasting changes for at least the next two years. So what use is it to plan for the future based on... Uh, a situation that probably will not return anytime soon. But there is also a secondary thought that I had when I was discussing this with my fellow uh, priests and and deacons and the other members of the pastoral team. 
Like, it is, it's also an unwillingness to adapt to the situation and to really ask yourself, well, what is God asking us to do now within this situation instead of just, like, having this unsubstantiated belief that soon everything will be over? Well, that's not going to happen. So instead of wasting your time on, on, on planning ahead, why not be more, I think, also... Uh, in a certain way, have more faith and and leave the future, leave the far future to God's providence and focus on the here and now. What can we do in the next few weeks? Don't try to plan ahead for months because you are certain that that is not going to materialize and it takes off your mind from... It takes your mind off the current situation. It's a bit like uh, Luke Skywalker on Dagobah, Right? Always in the future, his mind is never in the here and now, where it should be. And uh, I'm afraid that in the church sometimes, and, and in society also, people tend to do that. Um, so my challenge right now, and why I'm so busy, is uh, because I try to focus on the here and now, what is necessary right now, and what can I do? There is a huge risk in that, and that is... Because the current situation is so different, everything that I'm working on is basically new, except for well, what I'm doing right now, walking around with a microphone in the woods and <laughs> telling my story. That feels the same like the years before, but most of my other work is different. I'll give you an example. Uh, my television program, hopefully, will continue after the summer break. So in September... There's going to be another run of 15 episodes uh, that I will have to film, present, prepare, and produce. Um, But the world has changed. There is almost no traveling. Uh, You have to be extremely careful when you interview people. You can't even give someone a a wireless microphone because you have to get too close to to a person. So we have to come up with all sorts of procedures to make it easier and safer to film. Plus... Even visually, the world looks different because if you're going to interview someone, let's say, in the streets of Amsterdam, those streets are pretty empty right now. And what if the situation in September is totally different and the streets are more crowded? Then all of a sudden, your, your TV show looks out of date, looks like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was in May. So you want to, preve- to avoid that as much as possible because the, the season will go all the way to, uh, to December. It's also um, challenging in the sense that you have to take this huge worldwide change that the coronavirus brought about into account, but you don't want every show to be about corona. I mean, let's face it, we're all kind of getting a little bit tired of all the, the corona talk, and maybe you're not even listening to what I'm saying right now because earlier on you turned off your your listening device thinking, oh no, he's going to talk about Corona again. <sighs> Come on. We know that. So, um, so what, what can you do? What, what we came up with was let's focus on how Catholics deal with change and with disasters and with uh, personal disasters as well. That is a common thing that is maybe a little bit more relevant right now, but at the same time it's universal. Even if this situation will be over, Every one of us will still face challenges. And the challenges in life change you. And 
and, and change your faith often, and your faith can help change the challenge or the, the way you, you deal with challenges. So that is going to be kind of the lead. But you still need like very precise cases, people that, that are good on camera and that have a story to tell in that direction. Plus, you don't want it to be a, a show full of talking heads. And one of the things that I love doing most, and I really miss those days now that I'm working on the uh, English version of the two documentaries that I made, one in Ireland and one in Scotland, about the monks, the old medieval monks. It's, it's just the, the visual aspect of nature and traveling and uh, being not just in the Netherlands, but going outside. How am I going to implement that? So we had a, a brainstorm meeting two weeks ago about exactly that problem and kind of came up with the idea of staying in the Netherlands. That is kind of <laughs> the only thing we can do right now. And then do a tour of all the dioceses. But a tour that is very much taking us to, you know, outside of the cities and outside of the towns and more in the beautiful landscape that the Netherlands has. And there's a lot to discover, a lot of places that you normally don't see in TV shows. However, in order to film that, that is different from what I've been doing so far. <clears throat> so we want drone footage, for instance. So we need to learn how to work with a drone. You want to uh, first scout the area. You need to have good weather, etc. All that is buzzing around in my mind. And, <clears throat> and now is the time to plan because the next few weeks are going to be the optimal time to go out filming. It's, it's a month of May. It's the most beautiful time of the year. And we're still, and let's face it, that's also an advantage. We're in this corona situation where a lot of my usual work <clears throat> is no longer in the way. So... In the, during the weekends, normally, I would always go to three or four churches um, saying Mass. And uh, so the weekends were always off-limits when it came to, um, <clears throat> to filming. So I, c I could hardly ever travel for more than a week. Exceptions, uh, vacation. You know, two weeks in the summertime. At Ireland. That was, I was able to film Ireland <clears throat> because I had a weekend off. But that's very rare. Now, of course, there's only one Mass for two big parishes. And I'm not always the one celebrating that Mass, except for the Geek Mass. So, in theory, it would be possible to make some changes. And, for instance, ask a fellow priest. Father Mauricio, for instance, speaks Spanish and also English. Maybe he can do a Geek Mass. He's a great guy. And then that would free me up for that weekend. And I might be able to... You know, take some time off and do uh, let's, the more remote areas of the Netherlands. But in order to do that efficiently, because ideally, of course, you'd go for two weeks and make sure you film at least half of your episodes, uh, that requires a lot of planning, a lot of work right now. But that's not the only thing. At the same time, we're still developing these weekly masses and, and the broadcasting them. So yesterday we built a website uh, for those two parishes because they each had their own website and uh, well I don't know if you've ever been to the website of your parish some of you may be very lucky but most of us <laughs> so let's say the technology is not really up to date and uh, usually it's run by volunteers and it's very inflexible and well, we're wor working with you know live streams and embedding Facebook feeds etc a lot of websites can't handle that 
So earlier on, we kind of figured out how to place these streams on the website. I discovered something very frustrating, and that is that YouTube only allows you to embed the streams if you have more than a thousand subscribers, which, of course, on a parish level is very difficult because most older people in the parish don't have YouTube or don't care for YouTube. So how do you get to a thousand people? I don't know. Um, so, but then I decided, well, you know what? We should have one channel for both parishes. We're going to do a lot of things together in the next couple of months. So let's make a new brand in a certain way. Now, oh, that's a farmer going to work with his tractor. <clears throat> it's a very rural area. I'm now approaching a small village. Now I'll go to the left, back into the quieter part of the of the countryside outside the city. <clears throat> so we uh, we built this website yesterday. So one day, full website, domain name, email. That day, of course, is full. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, but my podcast. So that's why I'm recording this early on Friday. That's way later than I planned it to, to do it. But the all the other days of the week were filled to the brim. Uh, the uh, the other thing that constantly breaks my back in a certain way is the uh, video for kids that I make. So, uh, you probably haven't seen it, but it's something I do in Dutch for all the children that can't go to church because I believe that we need to keep them involved. And they too are, uh, I think, 100% members of our, of our parish, so we should take care of them. So I make these videos using hand puppets, come up with a small story, related to the gospel then I have someone who I hire to put the to make uh, drawings of the gospel and to put the gospel on rhyme for kids and then the whole thing is like a Muppet show for kids or a Sesame Street show about 10 minutes uh, and it's all filmed by me voiced by me <laughs> edited sound effects music thumbnail art uploading posting it is um, about 12 hours work. Last time I, I, I t- typed this, it's 12 hours. That is normally three days of work. Because I try to work half, half days every day or every week. It's across the road here. It's definitely busier than it was last week. More people are going out. <clears throat> it's kind of worrisome. Anyway, so just putting that together... I know it's important, and I always feel like, well, this, and we see that it, it starts to work. It's very difficult to, to reach parents right now because they're already so involved in educating their kids during the week that for the weekend they kind of let their guard down and they don't want to be too involved in, in entertaining their kids. But I still think it's important. We need to do whatever we can to reach that younger generation and their parents. And if we forget about them for six months, they're going to forget about us afterwards. But eh, it's still in the early stages. It's, I, I haven't been able to f- figure out a, a, a way to organize this without me being involved. Ideally, of course, I would just come up with a, let's say, an outline of the story and then hand it over to puppeteers. But that would raise the costs from uh, the 12 hours that I work on it, plus the costs of the, uh, of the text and the illustrations... To pro- probably quadruple the costs because then I'd have to pay hourly wages or maybe, I don't know, 
uh, it would go easily into I I I guess like 1500 2000 per video. That is great if you have an audience of millions of kids, but right now I have an audience of about 10 kids probably and their parents and, and it's not to say that it won't grow. Actually, I don't have numbers. I don't get much feedback on these videos, but I I assume that it's very low because well, yeah, we don't have really the opportunity or nor the time to to promote stuff like this. So do I continue? Do I stop? Do I halt this temporarily? I feel like I'm onto it, and I, I think the end result is, is, is fun and, and definitely worth investing in. But it is adding up to all the other extra stuff that I do, um, which creates this peak. It's last, what was it, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday and two days ago as well. At the end of the day, I had such a terrible headache. And I, my red was just, my face was red when I looked in the mirror. And it's just like blood pressure, tension, like, ah, stressing out. So much to do. These online Skype calls and whatever service they use are extremely fatiguing. Um, so one hour, a one-hour meeting feels like it's been three hours, let alone a three-hour pastoral team meeting. Oh, man. And not every group that I'm involved with is very efficient when they have these online meetings so like at least 30 40 percent of the time is wasted on oh, well you have to turn your camera no 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 press that button no no well how do i get your picture how do i make your picture bigger well click that no go to the menu uh, it's like online tech support with my uh, my granny which is no longer there but anyway <laughs> is it it's 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 fatiguing it's exhausting and so uh, the other day I was uh, like was evening I was almost well actually I there was a, a meeting yesterday a board meeting we wanted to do an extra board meeting tridio board meeting because of all the new initiatives and stuff that's going on right now and I was like okay I haven't been outside I haven't walked I've been sitting here in this chair working since nine o'clock in the morning I need to take I can't do this meeting so I scrapped the meeting and I was like okay I'm just gonna go out for a run now I really need to move my head is exploding otherwise and then I get this message from Hugo my cameraman director he's like we really should start working on our uh, <laughs> our TV show we need to we need to plan and um, I was like oh, sorry I can't really let's hold hold on not now so I told him how busy I'd been and just work has been non-stop and then he said something that, that really struck a chord he said you really have to try to flatten the curve and then he said it jokingly and then I thought about it and I was like you know what I think he's right this is very similar to the way in which we were trying to flatten the curve of the corona crisis I need to flatten the curve when it comes to work and I have to take into account that, that all this extra stuff, in addition to what I normally are already doing, is creating these peaks. And it is more than I can handle. So on days where I'm all flustered at the end of the day, my heart is beating, I can't sleep, I have nightmares <laughs> because of stupid things happening. And, uh, and, and I'm, I, I don't move enough. You know, my other curves are certainly not flattening. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm getting heavier every every week. Um, it, I need to flatten that curve. I need to make sure that... Because it's not that I don't have the energy and the time to do all this. It's just that right now everything is coming at once. I'm also almost managing, let's say, the communications part of the of two parishes all of a sudden i never had to do anything about that right now i'm building the website i'm coming over the communications plan i'm making um thumbnails for live streams i have to kind of arrange the live streams it's just in a few hours from now i have to go to another town here order a camera uh for the live stream maybe two cameras get i have to get a very long sdi cable because we're going to air a a um uh, Marian Vespers on Saturday evening, seven o'clock, uh, with the bishop. I invited to, not not my not the cardinal, but uh, the auxiliary bishop. I invited him over, uh, so I have to make sure that everything works. And it's just all this stuff. It's too much in too little time. So what I need to do is think hard. What can I? How can I flatten the curve? How can I uh, delegate stuff that I now get and maybe other people can, can do for me? For instance, these broadcasts. There is technically not a reason that I have to do that. It's just that all the equipment that's currently in church is mine. And the software is mine. The computer is mine. And if I start working on the TV show, I will need that stuff back. But I can only get the stuff back if there is a replacement camera which costs about two and two and a half thousand, three thousand, for the parish, and well, you can guess what happens when when so, when everything is for free and Father Roderick does it all. Nobody's complaining. Oh, it's awesome! Thumbs up. And then it's like, well, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> we actually need a camera, and it's going to cost you a couple of thousand bucks, and we need new lights in the church because the current ones are not strong enough and look terrible on camera. That's going to be another couple of thousands, and they're oh well, we should uh, let's slow down. Let, well, why don't you go to another store and ask if they can give it for for less money? Is it? And every time it's like, Father Roderick, do this, do that. Have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And that's just one project, and I have like ten concurrent projects where it's exactly the same. Um, that's why FatherRoderick.com is still not up because I'm working with this company that's building the website for me, and they're like, well, but you said that last Tuesday we would uh, make the site live, and have you already uh, put everything in place? And I was like, no, I couldn't, I didn't have time. <laughs> and so it's just this huge peak that I need to flatten, but I can only flatten it step by step, project by project. And then, um, oh, train. Yesterday, someone uh, posted a comment on the last episode of The Walk. Like, every time I listen to The Walk during my own walk, I'm scared to death because of the cars and, and trains that pass by. And I'm always thinking, I did, did I miss something? Is a train approaching? <laughs> oh, sorry about that. But um, the, another uh, thing that is currently at play is my position as a priest in the in these two parishes. Um, last, last time in the walk, I, I talked about leadership and how I had to take leadership in this area. But I'm also realizing that... Oh, 
grandchild visiting uh, grandparents here. When they keep their distance, that's good. <laughs> so this is a camping with little vacation houses. I don't think anyone lives there right now. Well, actually, maybe. What they do nowadays is they rent them out to people that uh, need to work from home but can't because they have children or, or pets at home <laughs> or noisy neighbors, and so they will just rent a wooden shed here and shelter there for work. The uh, leadership role that I, that I had to take is going beyond... Um, beyond just the, the, the broadcasting initiative of our celebrations because this is also an area of innovation and I think that maybe because of my work <clears throat> I'm, I'm much more thinking about the next phase, you know, I like to be ahead of things, think ahead of things so in this respect, I, I have a ton of ideas um, one area for instance is um, finances. Our parishes, of course, are, are run mostly by volunteers, but we still have huge costs when it comes to our buildings. We have our contracts with the, uh, well, the other members of the pastoral team. <laughs> Two dogs that are want to be. They want to be in the podcast. And uh, but there is almost no income right now because usually we get money during Sunday mass when people give money. <laughs> And that doesn't happen right now. And with our online streams, we don't reach... We only reach a, a very small percentage of our, of our regular parishioners. So uh, financially, we are in a, I think, heading for a very dire situation. The situation was already terrible, especially here in Amersfoort. They had a budget hole of... I think last time I heard someone say it was 350000 per year. 350,000 per year that's a hole you know it's money they don't have but they still spend and it is insane I mean I, I'm not the pastor here I'm just an assistant priest I used to be the pastor many years ago when I first started here in Amersfoort but I don't think I would accept that as a pastor and so I would one thing that I know is how to be financially um, balanced, let's put it that way. I know how to put balance to the force, <laughs> to the financial force. And uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, we can do all this uh, because I'm very, very um, particular when it comes to how do we spend our money. And as soon as something is not yielding the results and still is asking for tremendous investments, we turn it around. We either change what we do or we cut it loose and start something new. <clears throat> I also really, really put effort in fundraising and involving people in what I do and uh, having a, a relationship with the patrons and recording this weekly show for them. And it's because it's, I know that if I don't, I don't have the, the income to, to continue my work. Whereas in the church for many years, decades even, they had plenty of money. They, they owned houses, they owned uh, even entire patches of land that they rented out. There were tons of people giving generously every year to the church. And 
that generation is gone and a lot of the possessions are already sold in order to fill the gap. But what they haven't learned, apparently, is how to balance the budget. They still keep spending as if the past is still here. It's the same mentality that I mentioned earlier on when they are planning ahead for the year to come where they do as if the current crisis is not there. Well, with budgeting, it's almost the same. They still pretend as if there is no crisis. There is no financial problem here. And they keep spending because, well, that's the way we run our church. And this is, this is all, these are the activities that we find important, that we think are important. And so they're way overspending. I th- I'm, so I'm asking myself, you know, what can I do to help the situation? Because when we don't have any money anymore and we're already out of money, then, of course, there is no way that we can, that we can maintain this, this church life. It was, anyway, you, you, this has to change, and I have ideas on how to do that. But I'm not in charge. I have no mandate whatsoever. Plus, what is my record? What is my, I can't say that I have been a pastor for many years, and so, but I do know how to think, how to run a business. I have done my, I've learned a lot over the, the last, what is it, 15 years that I work for television now. Nah, it's 10 years. Anyway, 11 years. So we have a very solid operation here and financially also stable and balanced. And every time I want to do something bigger or something new, I'm able to find the, the people and the money to do it. I think those abilities would come in handy in fixing this problem of, of our parishes here. But then again, how, how do I do that? Should I even bother? Uh, is it not going to uh, sound like, hey, I know it better. You should steer to the right. Look, an iceberg. I'd say go right. <laughs> but I'm not the captain. I'm just working <laughs> in the restaurant on the Titanic. <laughs> during the weekends. (laughs) So, it's not my place. And yet, I do feel responsible in a certain way. Not because I am responsible, because I have, I think, a certain talent to turn things around or to improve the operations, at least the business side of operations. Um, But should I? And what would be the consequences of that? Because, of course, if I would add that to my plate... I mean, that's not a simple thing to fix. You'd really need to invest time. And if I would invest time, the peak would grow even bigger. <laughs> so I'm trying to flatten the curve. So it's all about these questions I ask myself. And it's, it's part of, I think, also spiritual discernment. Is this what God wants me to do right now? What does he ask? And it could very well be that he is. You always have to keep that in mind. God is not, is not an extension of your wish list. Um, he may have very different, radically different plans for me right now than he had last year. And, of course, that is all very uh, anthropocentric thinking about God where, we, where, where I, I, I kind of make it seem as if God is bound to time and changes his mind. <laughs> God is eternal. And so are his plans. But what matters, I am in this, I live in time and I have a before and after and, and things are changing, my life is changing the world is changing so my job is to discern 
what is God's plan right now? What is, what is his will? And I cannot always assume that it is the same as it was last year because God knows what is good for us in different times. And so it's, it, it's all part of the most fundamental attitude in life, uh, in Christian life, is the attitude of listening. And listening does not just mean on your knees in church, trying to shut up the voices in your head and trying, trying not to think of all, all the work you have to do or be distracted. But listening could also mean listening to the advice or the questions or the cry for help from the people around you. And then you have to wait. Then you have to pray even more. Like, well, which of these voices represent God's call? And am I the person to answer that call? Those are the spiritual questions, I think, that I need to use to flatten the curve. Instead of trying to do everything because I believe that they are necessary and to do them in the way that I think is the way to do them, I should double my efforts to ask myself, but, but what is God asking right now? What solution could he offer? Can he help me discern how to do this, how to flatten the curve? I'm not the expert, just like with the coronavirus I'm not an expert. I've just listened to people that know what they're talking about. And the same is true in faith. I'm not the, the expert on my life. God is. So I need to make sure that I listen carefully, that I weigh the perhaps even that I present the options to God so that it helps me realize what I have to choose between or what's, what's on the table, what's at stake, and then just confide it to him. And then I, I certainly don't think I'll, I'll get a spreadsheet from God telling me, you know, from Saturday, on Saturday from 9 to 10, you will work on the children's video and I will send you three people, three puppeteers that in their hearts felt a calling to go and help you. Um, most of the time it doesn't work like that. But it's still, it's a matter of trust, faith. That in itself is, I think, already kind of flattening the curve. It's definitely taking away a lot of the pressure. Like everything I do, hopefully, is part of a bigger plan that transcends me, transcends most of us. But I have to play my role. And God does never ask the impossible. So if at times in your life there is this peak and you're getting overloaded and you're working day and night and getting exhausted and you're forgetting about your health and you're losing your balance then you can be pretty sure that something in what you do is not what God wants you to do. The, the question is, where does he want you to go? And it may even be that he wants, wants much more radical changes Hello, than, than you have in mind. Maybe I'm just trying to fix my, uh, my, my weekly schedule. You know, I'm thinking, of, well, what if I do the children's video on Monday? Uh, what if I uh, make it shorter and easier? But maybe God is right now is pushing me in a different direction and l helps me look at the broader picture. Well, how can I help the church in, in my country or even broader to, to prepare for what's coming? Uh, this is also a time, I think, of conversion where we have to first look at, at 
who we are and what we're supposed to be so that we know what to do when the situation changes. And if we focus too much on what has been or what we're used to and we project that into the future, we may miss God's voice in that. Uh, That's what I think about this. You know, I'm all for planning ahead and thinking things through, but I think you're really pushing it when you're doing like a liturgical planning that goes all the way to 2021 based on what you're used to do or what you were used to do used to doing um, in in previous years the world has radically changed the church is going to radically change Um, so don't try to keep everything in your grasp leave it to God and only plan for let's say the next few weeks and and make sure that you also plan in discernment time to discern time that's why I'm currently walking here this helps me to think sharing it with you the process of kind of voicing what's going on in my head is helping me to get a clearer vision of what I need to do or how to uh, deal with certain problems. If you've listened to this series for a somewhat longer time, you know that oftentimes after I've recorded this show, I have a much clearer vision and I make some changes um, because I'm basically sharing this with you I know that some of you are also praying for the situation. Um, I get advice from from those of you that listen to this show, uh, suggestions, and sometimes even very specific help from people that you know can help me remotely with organizing stuff. And so uh, I need to make sure that I have time and that I take time to. Uh, oh, I, these guys are heroes. The garbage man. Without them, we'd be all lost. But uh, th- and and I feel that uh, part of flattening the curve is making sure you don't uh, stuff your that I don't stuff my weekly schedule with just work, but that I also keep these times of prayer, walking, running, uh, quieter evenings. And if that means that I can't do everything that I would like to do, I should tell myself, well, the boss wants me <laughs> to take more time to listen to him. And if in, a, in a normal situation, you know, when, when my boss calls me up for, you know, at the broadcasting company and says, we need to have a brainstorm, so I want you to schedule a meeting or a, a free up your calendar for a meeting, two-hour meeting, a brainstorm, and we're just going to think instead of just running around like uh, idiots. And of course I would make that time. Well, with God, it's kind of the same thing. You got to free up time and, and structure it. Of course, well, structure your schedule so you can make room for his advice. That ultimately, I think, will be the key to flattening the curve. I'm back home. Let me take a quick look at the church. They're currently... Hey, we more... Hank, good morning. I'm still recording my show. Hank has uh, been a tremendous help to clean the church and uh, make arrangements and help with the uh, classes. This, I'm inside the church now. You wouldn't believe it because of the noise. But uh, they're, they're deconstructing uh, scaffolding that we use to... Well, we, the people here, the volunteers, use to clean the entire church. They're right now also 
cleaning the uh, the area of the of the choir and the altar. It's still a big mess. There's been so much dust on the floor. So Hank has uh, found some uh, some people to help him. And then in the back of the church, we're going to uh, make an arrange uh, like build a small chapel for the celebrations on Saturday evening with uh, with the bishop, or at least tomorrow it's going to be with the bishop. So a lot of activity here in the church. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Hope you are well. Uh, pray for me. I'll pray for you. And we'll talk very soon. Oh, I forgot to unlock my door here. And so I'm going to upload this. And then I'm going to record my two other shows. Queen Morgan. <laughs> Theo, that's Hank's dad. Also, he's building a, an altar for the statue of the Virgin Mary. So, uh, uh, again, thanks for your time. If you're a patron, thank you so much for your support. If you're not a patron, check out patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.